the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live Friday edition. It is Open Line Friday. That means we'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. If you've got a Bible question, question about something going on in the news, uh, maybe something on your mind, give us a call. The number is 888-528-2557. An open line Friday would let you change the subject. And so we'll do that today. We'll take your calls on anything you'd like, 888-528-2557. We have been talking about several different things, including the weather in Southern California. Maybe you've experienced something challenging or difficult and you want to talk about that. Uh, the flooding is crazy out there, so be really, really careful, especially if you're getting on the freeway right now and the rain coming down pretty hard in various places, supposed to do that. And we have been talking about the Jesus Revolution movie, and some people have seen it, sharing their thoughts and their hopes, what you got out of it, if you've already had the chance to see it. So uh, share that, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we had Anna on who had questions about grief. And uh, we lost your call, Anna, if you want to try again. We have had trouble through the last hour just with connections and some other things. So, uh, Anna, try to give us a call. I will move you to the front of the line if you give us a call here so we uh, so you don't have to stay on hold uh, too much longer. Um, and I think some of what she might have been ready to talk about was was things that we would be challenged to do in the church. I think the Jesus Revolution movie and maybe this Asbury revival and the things that have come from that have challenged a lot of what we think. I think at the end of the day, what does God want us to do and are we willing to do it is a big question there. I also am going to do, and I'm going to start off with this, the absurdity of the week. And that's uh, something that I've been doing for a while on Fridays. We try to pick different stories, and this week was just loaded with absurdities. Maybe we should have absurdities plural of the week. There are so many of them. But here's one that I, I picked out. This is the mayor of Chicago, and there is a mayoral election in Chicago coming up this uh, on the 28th. On the 28th, and there are four candidates running, including Lori Lightfoot, who is the current mayor of Chicago. And uh, she's in a lot of trouble. And so she was giving a speech, and this is what she told people as far as how they ought to vote. Any vote, any vote coming on the side side for somebody not letting Lightfoot is a vote for Chewy Garcia or Paul Vallis. That's it. That's it. If you want them controlling your fate and your destiny, then stay home. Mm. Then don't vote. Any any vote for early guys other or not voting is a vote for uh, other people. You have to vote for me or stay home is kind of uh, the message there, which I think is probably uh, not really that great of a uh, campaign slogan, but maybe it works. Uh, and, you know, so what's going to happen is she is in a lot of trouble. Chicago has had awful lot of crime, makes the news a lot. She has had difficulty with uh, education and other people as she has been the mayor. One of the things that is came out this week that's a huge deal, and the point I want to make 
is about this not being just about one person. And we have to think about this in California and wherever we you might be listening to this. I realize there are people all over the place who are listening on the app. This week we discovered, and a Chicago Democrat sounded the alarm, that 55 schools in the Chicago area report no proficiency in math or reading. Illinois State Senator Willie Preston says that the city has to take a look at what COVID did and what the public school system is doing anyway. Think about that. That's that's none of the schools, by the way. That the schools in Chicago are putting out people, kids, with no proficiency in math or reading. The whole system. That is, a, you know, why would, and here's the thing, is Lori Lightfoot, She's not she's not the one to blame for all of it, but she's a part of it. She's been the mayor for four years and she supports the current thing and was very much in the the schools being shut down and everything else. And there's some chance that she might even get reelected. And this leads me to the point that I want to make here is I don't know who they might elect there, but we tend to elect different people who have the same philosophy as the previous person. And then we get the same thing and we wonder why. Can I put that in your head? I had a great opportunity to uh, speak with a, somebody who's running for state senate in California the other night. And, you know, one of the the things going on in California is that one party, we have one party control of our state. And I think one party, even if it was the, it's the Democrat Party in California, if it's the Republican Party, it, it would have a different set of problems. When you have one party control, I think it's bad. Uh, parties in and amongst themselves, you know, might be bad, George Washington would tell us. But in our system, we got two parties. But when you got one party who has total control, and it's the Democrats in California have total control. They have a super majority in the state assembly and the state senate, and that means they can do what they want. The Republicans are almost completely irrelevant. And yet, here in California, and then we have Democratic, uh, the entire slate of statewide offices are Democratic. All of the major cities and most of the counties are uh, have democratic uh, leadership. And we have all these problems of homelessness and the school problems in our own state. And, you know, whatever it is that might be the issues of the day, we're not collecting water, we're not doing all of this. You know, one of the one of the reasons that you want more of a balanced government is that at least the candidates will compete against each other to get things done so that you might have a good reason to reelect them. The problem is with the way our state is run right now is it's almost impossible to not reelect people who are in the same party the way the districts have been drawn. And, you know, I said in part of this conversation is that if we want to make a change in our state, people who are running for office have to stop just going after the people who agree with them already. There's probably not enough of those people to help you win. You're going to have to be persuasive. You're going to have to go after voters who would otherwise not vote for you, who may not understand why uh, things keep um, getting bad in our state. For example, in the homeless area, if you don't like what's happening with homelessness, and I think that almost everybody in our state is fed up and tired with how we're handling the homeless situation in our state. We have It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And yet, here's the deal. You can blame Governor Newsom if you want to, um, but he didn't start the problem. He has made it worse. And my question, though, is, are we going to keep electing the same people with the same philosophy, meaning a different name, but with the same philosophies about how to deal with homelessness? See, that's what we keep doing. We keep voting for the same philosophy. It might be a different person. 
And we might say, oh, get Newsom out of there. He's been terrible for this. Okay, well, Newsom will be gone. Uh, he's going to be gone in uh, four years or maybe two years because uh, maybe he runs for president. Is that something that you want? You could have a president Newsom, but at least he's not the governor of California anymore. Get him out of here. Um, <laughs> people think that way sometimes, right? I take offense at our policies and strategies. Yeah, I take offense at your policies and strategies, too. But that's the thing. Why don't you change your policies and strategies? See, and what's happening is the governor and uh, and this happens anywhere. It can happen with either party when things aren't going right. You usually make some kind of excuse about it. And so what's happening with the governor is we have this housing first philosophy, an idea and a philosophy that we don't want to push the idea of getting clean and sober, that we don't want to create housing where you would require that behavior. And it doesn't work. And everybody knows it doesn't work. And what you hear from the politicians is, well, we just need to spend more money. Well, where's all this money? We've spent hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, I think. Why, where's it going? Who's making money? And we just keep throwing money at the problem. The absurdity of the week is the Lori Lightfoot statement, because what the people of Chicago ought to do, and I don't live there, but if you're listening in Chicago, you got to vote for somebody who has a different philosophy. Don't vote for somebody who's, you know, don't just take it out on Lori Lightfoot and vote for somebody else who's going to do the exact same thing. And in our state, we got to, we have to figure that out. And, you know, if you just keep voting for people who do the same thing, they just have a different face, we're going to have the same problems. We used to call that insanity. And that has to get – we just have to get done with that. And it doesn't have to be Republican or Democrat. I think that's part of it. I think that almost all of us would get on the right page if we had somebody champion a better vision for taking care of people for taking care of homeless people, for dealing with drugs and dealing with mental health and talking about the person and their recovery. That's one of the big pieces. It's it's complicated as these things are. But when you just peel it down, it's not all that complicated. We don't believe in sobriety and recovery as a state. And we do not include with state money organizations like the rescue missions that want to talk about Jesus or they want to have particular rules about sobriety, so they don't get all the huge money, and they're the ones who are doing this right. This is something to be praying about, and if you're running for office or you're thinking about running for office, you know, this person, uh, one of the things that this person I was talking to asked me, if you're listening, uh, I enjoyed our conversation very much, um, how do I figure out, you know, how to not waste my time with the woke? I don't think that's exactly what she asked, but it was you know, kind of like, how do I, you know, not worry about the woke? And my thought is there's there's two kinds of woke out there. There's the kind of woke out there who is an academic woke who thinks that everything is fine and this is the way we're going. We just need more money and that you don't want to teach sobriety and you don't certainly want to have religion and all that. Those people need to be defeated. But I think that there's another kind of woke and it's it's sort of like people who care about the homeless, but they've never thought about it. And they believe what they've been told by people who they support in their party or their way of thinking, but they've never really thought about it. They've never really gone down to a rescue mission to volunteer. They're not really on the street asking, how can we really help you? They've never really thought about the fact that maybe the reason that our state is getting worse and worse and worse is because the entire philosophy is wrong. I think that there are people who are persuadable. That's something that worries me about our culture today, too, is I feel like we don't think that people are persuadable if they are on the other side of an issue. And I think that in many ways, sometimes we're not, right? We dig our heels in because we have a 
a stated on our Facebook or our Twitter, you know, opinion about some matter. And then rather than listen for whether or not we can continue to support that position, we just dig in our heels and defend and defend and defend, even though we might be wrong, wrong, wrong. That's what's happening with homelessness. That's what's happening with education. 55 schools, I think that's all of the the, uh, schools in a certain area in uh, Chicago, all of them report no proficiency in math or reading. Doesn't that tell you that the entire system is flawed, that we're, you know, and what is that doing to these kids? What possible future do they have? Not a very good one, most of them. It's a, it is a tragedy, and it's, it's a disaster. And what we continue to do is we just vote for the same people who continue the same policies. That's something that, to pray about, that we change that. And I think being persuasive uh, doesn't simply mean winning an argument. It means winning people over and to not let you know, some things get in the way of, you know, minor issues. I believe that most of us, and I say this all the time, I think that most of us, 90% of us would agree on how to resolve a lot of issues if we just had the the power to do it, right? I think homelessness, the border issues, drug abuse, guns, you know, you name it. I'll bet that most of us would generally agree. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't think so. I think regular people, you know, when we get into it, could solve the issues. But the politics and holding on to power and holding on to party power, especially in a state like ours where one party has all the control, and that might be going on with different issues in a in a state where Republicans have all the control. I'm, I don't want to let the Republicans off the hook. It's just that in our state, I'm not talking to that many Republicans. Um, the time now is to not worry about Republican and Democrat. It's to help people. It's to stop philosophies that don't work. The housing first philosophy doesn't work because people with mental health problems, with drug abuse problems, with so many problems that come along with homelessness, those problems have to be resolved before you hand somebody the keys to a home that, by the way, is taking years and years to build anyway. And we're not even getting there. That if you don't help the reason why they're homeless in the first place, and if you don't help some kind of recovery, and some people, I don't know if that there is recovery. I mean, it's so it's so messed up. And if you're just if you're just pushing that forward... It's not going to work. And the housing first issue doesn't work. And everybody knows it doesn't work. It's not working in Seattle. It's not working in Portland. It's not working in San Francisco. It's not working in Los Angeles. It's not working in San Diego. San Diego's homeless population is exploding down there. It's so bad that on, in one street, the, the San Diego newspaper reported that kids are being told to walk down the middle of the street when they go to school. Don't walk down the sidewalks. That's how bad it is. It's, it's you're you're better off as a little kid getting run over by a car in the middle of 17th Street uh, than walking on the sidewalk where uh, all these uh, homeless people are doing drugs and other things. That's ridiculous that we have to have that conversation. So that's the absurdity of the week, and we'll, we'll see what happens in Chicago. You know, I'm looking at a lot of these big cities because I think that they're going to tell us a lot about whether or not the nation is going to go a better direction. You know, are we sick of it enough to finally vote for a different philosophy of government, a different philosophy of how to care for people? Or are we just so partisan that we're going to blame whoever is in there now, but we're going to vote for the same person with a different face and name and put them into power? There's a whole lot here uh, to that. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It is Open Line Friday. 
The number is 888-528-2557. You can call about anything you'd like. You can keep talking about what we're talking about, or you can change the subject. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And um, call right now. Uh, let's go to Anna. We got Anna back. Anna, are you with me now? Hi. All right, Anna. Let's let this is like our fourth try, but I think we're going to get it right this time. Yeah, we're going to get it right. This All right. Time. So, anyway, um, yeah. part of the grief process that I'm going through is concerning the church because I had to leave the church after a long, long time that I was in there. You're, le- you're leaving a church that you're a part of for a long, long time. I left. Okay. I left. Yeah. yeah, I already left a month ago, more okay. than a month ago. I yeah. had to leave. Um, because, um, I saw what was going on. We don't care about what's going on on the outside. I'm the very opposite. I'm an evangelist. I'm a, I'm always on a mission work. I live right here in the city of Alhambra and I'm always on a mission work. And if LA, which is really, really far, I don't have no transportation or anything that I see the need and the need needs to be supplied. Pastors, and parishioners, people that go to church, they don't want to do no sacrificing or anything. They don't want to be like my Heavenly Father. The reason why my Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, was so effective is because he took himself to the part, the most difficult part, and he was rejected by the, by the very people. He, re- he was rejected by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, and everything. So, yeah, I am grieving, grieving tremendously. That's why I'm speaking about grief. Mm. Because, I, yes, I have lost a lot of people in, during the month of January. I lost a sister in the month of January. I lost a child in the month of January. But the, the job has to be done. It has to be done. People is out there, yeah. and they need to know about Jesus. Yeah. And I'm the only, the only one that's taking Jesus to them because they are not going to come to the churches. Because the churches are horrible right now. If you're not dressed up a a certain way, they will reject uh, you. If you cannot donate a whole bunch of money to the church, they will reject you. Why will I go to the church? Hold on a second, Anna. Hold on a second. You know, I know that what you're saying is certainly true among some people, but it's not true among all. And I think that you just, you know, I understand that it's hard what you're going through and leaving a church and feeling like you, you have to go to a different congregation I understand why that's full of grief, but can you pull back for a second and realize that even with a lot of our difficulties that we have in the in the church, that still people are getting saved? You know, we had a pastor on just yesterday who baptized 52 people the previous Sunday. Um, you know, there are churches and people in churches who are evangelizing and who are making disciples, and there is a lot of that going on. So I don't I don't want you to lose hope through the experience that you've had, because the Lord is still working. Can I encourage you that way? Working, yes, but we have to change. A lot of the stuff in the church needs to change, needs to change, because people is not going to come to the church. Because me, I'm a devout Christian. I'm a devout child of God and everything. I'm not playing with my religion, and I definitely am not playing with my faith. And if I feel disenchanted like this, what do you think is going to happen? The church is not ready for the street people. They're not ready. I'm telling you the truth. What I have seen so far, they are not ready for the street people to come on the video. Because they have a whole bunch of needs. The people in the streets, they have a whole bunch of needs. That's why I go and I met their needs. 
I meet their needs. Mm-hmm. I meet them where they are. Yeah. Well, That's maybe, maybe Anna, you can you can do your best to try to inspire some people to come with you because I think that um, you're you're right. I think that the church has got to change a lot. We were talking about this movie Jesus Revolution and how it might inspire people because there was a, there's a tension that you're going to see in that movie and in the history of it where the church had to decide whether or not they were going to sacrifice their way of doing church in order to to meet the needs of in this movie the hippie crowd and and on it, and not everybody does it but some people but some but some people do it and you got to give credit to the fact that the lord's working through a lot of people and yeah. you know i think that that'll help you a lot and at the same time you know encourage the church or bring people from your old church or a new church where you end up going out with you to minister to people. It changes people's lives when they get out there and do it. They are not going to go to UCLA if I live in, if they live in South Pasadena and they, in South Pasadena, or they live in Alhambra well, and, and they are so comfortable and everything. <clears throat> we are spoiled. Don't you get it? I get the it. I get. I get what you're saying, spoiled. and I'm and I'm not disagreeing that that's where a lot of us are. But what I'm I'm trying to say is you're not the only one, and I know that there's a lot of people listening who do great ministry. And they they understand the frustration that you have. Um, you know, the idea that the workers are few. This has always been uh, a struggle, right? This isn't Absolutely. just something, this is not just something that's new. But I, I just want to encourage you, and, and if you feel like you have to leave the congregation that you were a part of, you know, that happens sometimes. But, you know, sometimes that's because what actually is going on is God is calling you to a different congregation, where you're I'm going to be homeless population, where you're going I'm to be yeah if, and God I'm has put this like God has put this on your heart and you know I would look for a congregation that loves Jesus and wants to work with homeless congregations and or homeless people and there's a lot of congregations doing that so I w- I would encourage you to to not lose hope and to find I'm a not. church to find a church where other people are serving in this way and God's called us to to different things. So I appreciate what you're saying. Pray for the church. Pray that this movie coming yeah. out, I think it could yeah. inspire a lot of people to get out of the pew and go serve people. And that's I pray and I think that's a course of revival. Thank you for calling uh, today. I got to go to a break. Anna, thank you for listening to Southern California Live. It is Open Line Friday, and the number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. When we come back, I'll take your calls about anything you'd like to talk about on Open Line Friday. The number again you can call now is 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, open line Friday. Anything you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Craig from the Valley, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Craig. Hello. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, I just want to talk about schools. I, you know, the, my uh, wife is a school teacher. A lot of people in my family are school teachers. And the thing that I've, I've learned over the years is that the number one thing that makes schools good is parents that care about their kids' education. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing. The second thing is having a strong principal that will hire good teachers. The third thing is when parents also care about the school, 
They'll also get involved, and they'll help do fundraising and they'll care. The kids then know that the parents care about their grades and care about the school. And then the last thing comes down to is the students. If the students, you know, get the the feeling that the parents care about school and care about succeeding, they'll succeed. Um, you just can't throw money at it. Money doesn't make the difference. Right. It's, it's all about expectations. I think California that, spends more per student than double per student than any other state. And so absolutely. you're you're right. It's uh, it is about a whole lot of other things. Uh, is uh, did you have another comment? Well, I just wanted to say, you know, I had a I had a kid I went to school with. He was in a low income family. I went over to his house one time with those kids, and and they had a, a needlepoint thing on their wall that said, uh, "See the little day star moving. Life and times are worth improving." And it sure made an impression on me mm. that uh, they cared about their schooling enough that they're going to have their kids. Uh, do well. He ended up being a physicist and a really smart person involved with X-ray laser. So, you know, it's 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 what you put into your kids. It's what you care about that they're gonna they're gonna understand that you care about. I and think that's, it, that's it the, is a that's the biggest problem. A lot of our crisis in education is parents, right? You're you're totally right about that. There's problems with the schools and trying to get parents out, right? We have that tension, but the parents have to fight that battle uh, as well. We have that in, in healthcare in our state uh, also, where parents are, you know, if your kid's 12, you're not allowed to uh, look at their medical records without permission, uh, which to me is crazy. But crazy. Uh, that's where we're at. Thank you for your call. And are you familiar with Christian Educators, ChristianEducators.com? Uh, yeah, my daughter was a Christian school teacher, so uh, but she works for the LA City Schools. Yeah. Now, but, well, Christian Educators uh, is, a, is an organization for Christians who work in the public school system. Uh, ChristianEducators.org, actually, I think is the website, ChristianEducators.org. Check it out, because maybe it'll be something that supports your wife. It's there to support uh, Christians who are working as teachers or other staff people, faculty in uh, public schools, and uh, I think it's a great resource, ChristianEducators.org. We'll look into it. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for calling, Craig, from the Valley, Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. Uh, William in South Fullerton, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Hi, William. Glad I was able to get through again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yesterday, I think it was your last caller that uh, offhandedly tried to blame President Trump for the train derailment. Yesterday we were talking about the, the hold on a second, the issue yesterday, just catching up uh, listeners, the issue yesterday, we're talking about showing up and the controversy about, you know, whether or not Biden should show up in Ohio or, or Pete Buttigieg, who finally showed up, but it was three weeks after the wreck, and Donald Trump had shown up uh, earlier, which probably uh, spurred on some people coming. The response from Buttigieg uh, about the wreck, who is the... Pete Buttigieg is the transportation secretary, is he's blaming Donald Trump for some deregulation, apparently, that happened in 2018. He's blaming that uh, instant, or the, the derailing on that. So the caller, the caller mentioned that yesterday. Yeah, but that's completely false. It's completely false to blame President Trump for that. The reality is the NTSB has released the reason for the derailment, and it was a failed wheel bearing which had nothing to do with the so-called electronic braking systems that they were supposed to have installed. Those are the facts, but the leftists don't like to be confused by the facts. Yeah. This is a, 
it's a, it's a Trump derangement syndrome. This is, it, <laughs> well, and it shows itself all the time. You know, I think that all the time. I think there's something that uh, leaders in any capacity, but even politicians should should do. I think that his comments, even people who don't like Donald Trump, thought that that was a cheap shot, and that you you're the transportation secretary for two years. What have you done about it? Right. That's at some point you can't blame the predecessor. Uh, even if it's the predecessor's fault, like you own the problem eventually. Uh, and probably two years into the administration, whatever the problems that were there before you got there, they're now your problems and your fault. That's the way I look at it. Uh, thanks for your call, yes, William. Sir. I appreciate uh, I appreciate that. You know, always go back and, uh, you know, Google things, see what the reports say later, because another thing the media does is it'll report something that happens and here's the opinion of what and then it moves on to something else and then the report comes out later that says nah that's not actually what it was um but what gets in everybody's mind is whatever was initially reported it's amazing how many things we often don't believe or believe that turn out not to be true sometimes i have that i go back and i look and i go oh what i heard initially about something wasn't true um that's a that's a leadership thing to to me i thought about that as pastor uh, of a church that, you know, how long can you blame the last guy? You know, when you get a new pastor, well, there's whatever the problems are. Okay, you can blame the last guy for a while. I mean, you shouldn't be blaming anybody. You take responsibility. But I think the people will, the the real principle is this, not so much what you do. The principle is that the people will blame the last guy for a while. It could be pastor, it can be CEO of your company, or it could be president of the United States, you know. Um, but at some point, you own the problem, even if you didn't cause it. Like, at, at what point and I think we're already past that point. I think for presidents, maybe at six months or a year, that they that that Americans might feel give them a pass because of whatever they came into office with. But at some point, you own it. You know, I think for the Secretary of Transportation to blame something that happened almost five years ago, um, when he's been in office for two years, is crazy. And I don't think people buy it. I, I think. You know, people might say, okay, well, that happened, but what have you done about that in two years? Answer, nothing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's how it goes. I think President Biden, you know, he owns it now. Whatever happens, uh, whatever, you know, he, he'll blame what he inherited, but um, I don't think you can get away with that for too long in just about any situation that you find yourself in leadership. Eventually, uh, you own it. Um, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. Open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. Larry in Irwindale, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Yes, I've talked to you before about the homeless and the military bases. Right. You've talked about uh, moving them to uh, the military bases we're not using or or parts of them. Right. Right. And in the cities around them that are destitute because they used to supply the bases that aren't there anymore. Yeah. Only the land and the, and the facilities. We talk about building things. They're already built. We only have to get their safe, that they can get help, mental, medical, home-wise, and they're not hidden somewhere where they continue what they were doing before. Well, part of and what I was talking about is we, we have to change our – our entire philosophy before you could even get to an idea like that. Because right now the philosophy is, is we don't want to take people's right away to get high. So we're going to instead, we're going to provide a place for them to get high with a nurse standing by who can hit them with the Narcan so they don't die. Oh, well, did that sound like a good idea to you? No, it's a stupid idea. And well, all of said. the, but that's what we're doing and that's what we keep voting for over and over right. and over again. 
See, but that's... here's the thing. We, we, re- we made the strongest military in the world on those bases. And yet we're, we're, we're starting to lose out because we're, we're losing our whole way of life because it's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, Larry, I understand what you're talking about. And, uh, but, you know, we are a long way from making any such decision because the people in power have a philosophy that would be against uh, all of that. And there's, well, there's, there's further questions. You know, how can, can you force people to go on one of these bases if they don't want to go, right? There's there's well, lots of constitutional problems to that. Okay, what about all of the people in Israel? They it's mandatory they serve in the service, right? But right? that's another country. Uh, in our, you know, so yeah. what I'm saying is, you know, in Israel they could probably Maybe do all of this, but one. but you can't do it here until we change uh, our philosophy or our laws, um, and we're going to have to do something before that comes yeah. around. Well, you would hope that we do that. So uh, thank you, Larry, for your call. And my encouragement is to to encourage people to vote and encourage people to not worry as much about D's and R's, but worry about the actual policies that are going to be put in place by those D's and R's. Um, Because you can elect a whole bunch of different people, but if they have the same philosophy, then uh, nothing's going to change. All right, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Ed in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Ed, are you there? All right, we lost Ed. Uh, let's see here. Lauren in Pasadena, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, hello? Hi, Lauren, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Yeah, listen, um, it was just uh, what you were talking about I think it was yesterday, uh, about Lent? A couple of days ago, Wednesday. Wednesday we were talking about Lent. Okay. Yeah, listen, uh, I just wanted, because uh, that caller, she was, you know, saying a few things. I just wanted to share that um, in the Bible there is, uh, and I don't know if it's in Matthew, but in the Bible there is a, uh, uh, like, not a scripture, but when you keep reading where um, the people put, like, uh, branches down for Jesus to walk because he was so holy. On Do you Palm, remember that? Song? Uh, Palm Sunday, yeah. yeah. It's in, yeah. Yeah. Correct. So I just, you know, if the caller's listening. So, you know, um, I, when I was Catholic, um, I had more of the Holy Spirit than I do as a Christian. I haven't had the Holy Spirit since. So there's a lot of Catholics that are, you know, they're going to go to heaven. And uh, I just wanted to share that, that, um, you know, he did, they did put palms down. And I don't know if that's where it started, where they ended up with Lent. I'm not yeah. sure. No, that, has, that doesn't have anything to do with Lent. But, uh, you know, the, the conversation part of it on Wednesday was about traditions and how high do we put those traditions? Do we put them at the same level as the Scripture, uh, which sometimes happens? And uh, that's where we get in a lot of, a lot of trouble. Um, with all of that. Well, and that, and that, you know what, that's what I say all the time, too, is that if it's not in the Word of God, you can't trust it. But because uh, I read, because I read that about the palms and, you know, Jesus going through, I mean, that's, I think it's part of the same family. But what I wanted to say also was, um, you know, whatever you do for Christ, doesn't matter what it is, if it's just to honor Him, and love him. It doesn't matter what religion you are, as long as it's our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Well, if and it, I think what I, you know, Lauren, on that point, I would disagree that. I mean, kind of what you said, it's got to be our Savior, Jesus Christ. But if you're not worshiping Jesus, then you have another religion. And oh, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is if you follow the Word of God and whichever way you want to worship, um, you know, God's going to appreciate that. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic, not Catholic, you know, because I'll tell you, a lot of people that are Catholic that put those ashes on their head, they might go to heaven before me, you know, because it's it's just like the homosexuals, I say, um, you know, I, I, I'm very offend, I'm very offended by them, but God showed me something, really? Lauren, and I, which was, uh, I, well, let me just, I know you, I know. I gotta I go to a break. I'm, I'm way over on. Okay, but just, okay let me just finish this. I'll 10 seconds. Go. I'll give you but 10 I seconds. Okay. I just wanted to say that sin is sin. You're a homosexual, you're a murderer, you're this, you're that. We gotta love everybody because, you know, that homosexual might go into heaven, into those gates before me. Well, and this is some, that's something I shared with them. I said, "All right, you Lauren, know, I got it. I'll let you go. I'm way over on my break, you know. And um, you know what I'll say here is that the scriptures teach that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish, but have everlasting life. It comes back to that, and we have to be careful about you know our traditions or other things and putting them higher than that gospel, and realizing that uh, you get saved by by faith." You get saved because of the grace of God, and this is something that's important, super important, that you don't earn salvation, and that's why you can offer the grace of God to people who are sinners, because we're all sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God, and salvation is entirely because of the death and resurrection of Christ. He paid the penalty for our sins. He rose again on the third day, demonstrating that he's defeated death, and if you believe in him, and you will follow him, in, even though you die, right out of the grave into everlasting life. But Jesus Christ is the one who provides that, and faith is how you, you get that. i got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be right back. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Shall we play a game? Oh. (laughs) I think I missed him. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Love to. How about global thermonuclear war? Wouldn't you prefer a good game, Marshes? Later, let's play Global Thermonuclear War. Fine. Remember that uh, movie War Games from back in the day? It's where a guy, uh, a high school student, played by Matthew Broderick, hooks his computer up to a computer that he thinks is creating video games, but it's actually a military computer that's doing legitimate war games, and the computer, known as the Whopper, uh, not the hamburger. It was WOPR, War Operations Programmed Response, or something. And basically, it was it was uh, artificial intelligence playing games to try to figure out how to win a nuclear war. And the um, you know it's probably you know, if a movie's been out for forty years, I guess we can spoil it, right? The computer decides to launch a real nuclear war and get the nuclear codes. I thought about this because there's this article that came out that talks about the United States government using algorithms to control nuclear launch codes. Today, now the uh, the article says no, 
that um, they are not going to be using um, hum- – they're only going to use humans for decisions around nuclear weapons. But it was kind of interesting because it doesn't actually require that humans stay in the loop. It's just that's the official policy, but there's no requirement about that. And the idea is that there might be automated weapons. How does that work? Do the weapons just decide on their own who to go bomb? Does the drone just take off? Uh, you know, uh, I thought I saw this in a movie with Schwarzenegger one time where he was the robot, right? It was the, the Terminator, Skynet. Isn't that what this is? We live in some weird times, my friends. And the idea of taking uh, people out of the loop of these things, I think it's crazy. But that's the world that we live in. Shall we play a game? This is Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. couple more calls we'll have time for here. Rudy and Brea, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. Hi. Um, I, I heard somebody mention about uh, using some old military bases to house a Homeless folks. Yeah. And uh, it made me think of uh, something that happened a few years ago. It doesn't have to do with the homeless, but uh, there's a city in California called Coalinga, and uh, there's a prison there, or it used to be a prison that they don't, they stopped locking people up there. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly why, but uh, basically the whole town, the economy ran around uh, this prison. And um, since there was no prison, the whole the city was in debt for like uh, three million dollars. And um, Marley, and along with some of his uh, business associates, bought the prison for four million dollars and change, and set up a marijuana grow operation there. Mm. And within the first year, I mean, obviously, putting him out of debt instantly, and then they uh, hired uh, about a hundred workers from the town. That first year, which is just kind of crazy, but that uh, a place where people probably used to be locked up for weed, you know, are is the place is now even growing weed, which is just mind-boggling to me. But I mean, what do you th- what are your thoughts on that? That's kind of like a random, uh, like on the whole article. issue of of weed. No, but like uh, maybe it's not for you. But what do you think about these people kind of going to these towns and providing a new economy for these? Uh, you know, uh, it, so, you know, for people who want to do that. No, not necessarily for you, like uh, you using it personally. But what do you think about the impact that it has on the on our on our state, on yeah. our on our country, on our economy? Uh, well, if you if you mean uh, growing marijuana and selling it, like making it a business, it's no longer illegal. Is that what you mean? Right, right, right. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, like, what are your thoughts? Like, aside from your own personal view from it, what do you think? How do you feel about these, uh, you know, bringing revenue, you know, because yeah. uh, that business you know what? is going is... Yeah, I'm, I'm tracking with you now. Thank you for your call, Rudy. Yeah. You know, if you, uh, if you go to, uh, interestingly enough, the Los Angeles Times, um, which is a, you know, certainly a liberal newspaper and one that would, I would say, support and has supported the idea of legalizing drugs or legalizing marijuana. They did a whole report on the economic impact that this has had so far in California. And it's multi, uh, it's multi pages. You can find it if you just do LA Times marijuana, I think you'll find it. And they reported that it's a disaster for the state economically, that it has not brought in the revenue, that it has brought more and more crime 
that it's a complete and utter failure at every level, uh, which is kind of surprising to me. I figured it would probably make money, but it's not doing well. It's not it's not having the effect that uh, that they thought. Um, you know, I think you have to be really careful if you're going to try to sell and make a profit from people doing things that aren't you know necessarily healthy. I'm not talking about people doing it for medical reasons, and there's you know maybe there's some reasons, but. Uh, you know, and it's also well, what do you think about a brewery? Well, you know, the thing is, is that can you can you drink responsibly and not have it impact your life? You know, I think people will will debate about that, and that's been going on for thousands of years. The research on marijuana and THC and all of that is uh, not real good for it, actually. What I also find remarkable is that the same newspaper will be against tobacco, and the tobacco companies are bad. But they'll be in favor of growing pot and selling that, even if you're going to smoke it. And smoking pot is worse for your lungs than cigarettes, according to the American Lung Association, which is right there on their webpage. So there's a lot of hypocrisy in the whole thing. And if you're into the the pot thing, you know, uh, don't listen to everything you hear. You know, DUIs are up because of it. There's a lot of problems, and we all know a bunch of potheads. You know, Jerry Brown, Governor Brown, was against this kind of thing because he said, and he would tell you, he said, you know, I've had a lot of experience with this, which he did. And he was completely against it because of his own experiences with it. And, uh, you know, I thought that's pretty interesting. Thank you for your call, Rudy. All right, I've only got a few seconds left. We'll try to go quickly. Ed, you've got a question about Hebrews 6, 4. Yes. Real quick. I, uh, okay, I was on. I was doing my Bible reading this uh, yesterday morning, and I came across that scripture about how it's impossible for a Christian to come back to the Lord if he's transgressed or if he's sinned willfully. I'll hang up, and I'll let you answer that for me. All right. It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, it says, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, who have fallen away, to be brought back to repentance. Um, To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again. You know, there's a lot of theology and writing about that, and we can't do it here in the next 10 seconds. But what I'm going to tell you is this. For a person who really knows who God is, not just deceived, I think a lot of people who fall away, they're not really Christians in the first place, and then they get saved for real later. I think for a person who's saved, who knows the love of God, who gets all of it, who just says, Jesus, I reject you, and I believe you're who you say you are, and this and that, and I reject you, I reject the Holy Spirit, I reject all the things of God, that person, I think, is done. All right, uh, lots more I could say about that, but we're out of time, unfortunately. Um, But I hope you have a great evening. Everybody drive safe. Go out and see Jesus Revolution uh, this weekend. Thanks for listening to Southern California Live. We're every weekday from 3 to 5. God bless. Have a great weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.